Welcome to Dealer Process Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Cheatham, here with both my co-hosts today. Really excited to have you guys both on the show with me. Brian Steele, Sterling Brown, what's happening, guys? What's going on, Bill? What's happening? So I want to continue this. Uh, man, I, I think about changing the name of the podcast, improving the lives inside the dealership. I mean, maybe it's a totally sub show, but for now, improving the lives inside the dealership. Uh, subtopic on that is going to be leadership in training. And I know we talk about training a lot, but I don't think you can ever talk about training too much. I'll be talking about training until the end of my time here. Uh, so I can kick this off. I can I can get some thoughts going or either, either one of you got something. Maybe Brian, you got something? Well, you know, we talked about in, you know, prior episode about investing in your people and, you know, what that looks like, whether it's, you know, you're sitting in a room training 10 guys or, you know, 10 salespeople or you're having little breakout one-on-one sessions. I just don't think you can invest in your people enough and you do that through, training them, leading them, you know, mentoring, motivating, inspiring. And they you really can't do enough of that. I love the word caring. And I really love the word sacrifice writing about it in my book right now. Uh, I think I talked about it on a show fairly recently, but uh, leadership uh, comparing it to, I mean, who, who, do, who do you follow? is the way that you have to look at it. I mean, that's really, when you're looking at anything, I mean, if you're looking at your customer, you got to put yourself in your customer's shoes, right? If you're looking at your people, it's the same thing. Like put yourself in your people's shoes. Why would they follow you? And really it all boils down to care and trust. So if I, if I know that you care about me and I trust that you've got my back, I'll actually follow you out of the following that you want to take place. This is the type of leadership that you want, not the uh, dictatorial, you know, style leadership where it's your paycheck and, you know, you're a number. And of course you can get people to do things, go off the clock and see what they'll do for you, you know? So, um, that's, uh, those are my two cents. Sterling, what do you got on it? Um, no, you guys hit the nail on the head. Uh, if you want someone to follow you, the best thing to do is to lead the right way. And I know we're going to talk about some different things here. So I'm just looking forward to jumping in on the conversation. It all, it all pivots around trust, right? Because, they, you know, they're not going to jump when you say jump if they don't trust that you're telling them to do it for the right reasons. And we were talking about training, right? Leadership and yep. training. So... Uh, and you say it all boils around it all, you know, it all circles around trust, right? So you're never going to get a guy to trust you as a leader day one. It's not a, this is a, this, this is a nurturing thing, right? This is a, now what's cool is if you have a team of people that trust, and this is where you get the word culture, right? So if you have a team of people that trust and a team of people that uh, is invested in the leadership and the leadership is invested in them, then when you hire a new person into that atmosphere, they can sense that there that there's trust around them. So same thing in a dealership where there's not a lot of trust. As soon as someone new comes in, they're like, "Oh crap!" You know, "Oh my goodness, this is a this is cutthroat. This is." Uh, you know, <laughs> got to watch my back around here. Right. And we've all been in these situations where we've, you know, it, unfortunately, I think everybody's probably 
worked in the atmosphere that I just explained, but the atmosphere that, you know, you come in and you kind of just immediately start trusting people just because of how strong that culture is where everybody else there is trusting their leadership. That's quite a bit more rare, unfortunately. Uh, have either of you ever been in that? Because I'm sure you guys can tell me you've been in the in the bad one, but have either of you been in um, a situation where you were new into the situation, you were new into the group, uh, but you automatically just trusted and had your guard down more than you usually would just because of the atmosphere of the group you were in? I was thinking of something that would be on the, the negative side and that you'd want to try to avoid. So I'll, I'll defer to Brian to see if he has a positive example that he can think of. And if not, I can think of something, but I got, I got the negative on the what not to do when you're ready. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever been in a, a situation where it was completely positive, but like I, I have been in situations where, you could see that the other salespeople were being successful. And a lot of times, you know, I've told new salespeople, hey, you got to be fairly open-minded and you got to trust what I tell you because some of this stuff is going to be contrary to like what your natural thought process is going to be. And, you know, have the sales guys come in open-minded because, you know, it's like you go into a retail store and have you been helped? Do you need help? No. You know, and you want to be helpful. And so sometimes you want to be helpful, but being helpful is actually taking control, building some trust, and actually proposing something that's going to work for them rather than sitting on the sidelines and I'm just here if you need me, you know? So we went a little off track. Um, love what you're saying, Brian. Uh, but back to the training. So uh, you had said something pre-show when we were just tossing around topic ideas. It's kind of how we do it. We do it right off the cuff. I think that's actually better because it keeps you in line with what's really in the ether sometimes and what people are really right. thinking, thinking about. So I like pulling the topic out. Like as we're doing the show, I've had I've had people that uh, you know expect you to have a topic ready, but I don't, I really don't like to do that. But anyway, that's all other topic. But anyway, we were talking about leadership in training. Um, and you had said something before the show, Brian, about, um, there's, you know, you hire and then you also, um, then you train. What did you say? I, I was saying that, um, this is something I go back to a lot. I think that there's, you know, a couple mistakes you make. The first mistake you can make is hiring the wrong person, not assessing the situation correctly, not understanding who they are, pulling them onto the floor without like fully having the clarity that this is the right person for the job. So that's the first mistakes that you, that you make. The well, that would be, mistake, so that would be, and that would be a whole other show. We might do right. that. That might come out after this, even though it's before, uh, leadership and hiring, right? Like, yeah. how, are you, how are you hiring? So past right. the, the first mistake you're saying could be in hiring. And then your second mistake is in training. So let's jump. Right. I want to hear, the, I would, this, I'd love to hear what you got to say about it. Yeah. The second mistake that you make is not investing in that person, not caring about that person, not training. Absolutely. And, you know, so we bring people onto the floor and we just kind of push them into the deep end of the pool and we hope that they can swim but really that's just not the right way to go about it. And, and we're always, it. 
you know, we're always using the analogies, just talking about the floor, but what you're, what you're talking about actually applies to, um, and then, you know, you could actually get into leadership and promoting from within. That would be a whole other uh, show that we could do, but what you're getting into doesn't just apply to the floor. It applies to, I think the, the, the least trained position in the dealership is actually the sales desk. So when you yeah. hire somebody, when you hire somebody new into your store, uh, just depending on what your level of training is, the least trained people are on your sales desk. I think the second least trained people are possibly in finance or on your floor, depending on the store. Uh, but across the board, usually it would be the least trained people are on your uh, on your sales desk. <clears throat> they kind of just right. expect to grab a guy and to put him in. So, I mean, what you're talking about isn't just the floor, though I do like to discuss the floor. Uh, I think if you do a good job there, you can start doing a good job in other places. And that's probably the place to start. Maybe, well, maybe not. That's, that's, that's the incubator, right? That's, that's where the talent starts coming up. And that's where a lot of your culture starts is, you know, just that, you know, sales role and, you know, investing in those people so that you can make them sales managers so that you can make them finance managers, general sales managers on up. And I think that's a, uh, or I know that's a dealership uh, wide uh, job. That's a dealership wide job. I mean, that's obviously do a lot of finance stuff. And uh, that's one of the, that's, inside my finance training. Uh, and it goes against what I'll see inside the dealership as I'm teaching it, uh, which is just bringing up the salespeople and not speaking down to them. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's such a huge culture thing, but that's how you raise people up. That's how your numbers go up in finance. If you're treating your people, right. And we've discussed this. So this is leadership and training, um, going off on this little piece right here, just from the finance manager position. Cause they tend to be, uh, it's funny, man. I heard a receptionist the other day be like, they're my managers. So I just call them finance. And it was like, Oh yeah, they're managers of themselves, you know, and you can sit there <laughs> I thought they were clerks. You can sit there and you can, yeah, Lance Teeples, right? You can sit there and you can laugh about this all day because there's there's so much truth to that. Even though they do, even if they are just managing themselves, they do manage quite a bit and they they arguably manage, you know, some of the most important pieces and backstop some of the most important pieces inside the dealership um, of a deal, right? Uh, especially yep. the funding and getting that CIT and the money and that kind of stuff. Um, that's really a side note to their job because their job selling. So, I mean, then you're going in and you're saying, Hey man, you know, uh, don't get mad at that salesperson. I think it, it's like generally accepted for finance managers to take out their frustration on salespeople. And I, I, I hate it. Uh, yeah. and I, I, it's totally counterproductive to having um, people help you out. Uh, one of the big things that I, that I teach is like that transition from going from the, you know, the deal closes into finance and how crucial that is in the finance interview. And then what's done with that customer. And so many times we're dropping them in like the, in, inside the uh, customer lounge and they're waiting for finance or they're waiting outside the finance manager's office. Like this is the tee up. And it's also a place where you can, uh, add more profit. There's so much stuff you can do, but the finance manager has to have the buy-in from the rest of the dealership to help them tee that up, to help that transition. So, I mean, that that all boils down to relationships. 
So bringing this back to leadership and training, it's like the entire dealerships got to be bought into your training and how you're bringing up salespeople. Uh, and maybe you're like, Oh, fuck that, Phil, you're crazy. I usually don't curse on this show, but I mean, this is reality. Oh, you're crazy. You know, I'm just going to turn them and burn them. I got some good guys and I manage them hard and this is how I do it. And all of that's fine and dandy. It's great. Uh, but if you want your deals to be more profitable and your atmosphere to go up, uh, the leadership and training, the training is a dealership wide operation uh, and your finance managers and your sales desk need to. And look, I grew up in a dealership that was really harsh, um, but it, it, they also I also knew I was cared about to a certain extent uh, or I knew I was cared about a lot by upper management, actually, as long as you put up the numbers and we were very cutthroat and maybe that's changed. I don't really like to talk about, Oh, it's changed and that kind of thing. But what it really is all about is that real care and that real training is going to come from care uh, and not just from the people with the title to be training, the sales managers, the general sales managers, that's your entire dealership. Uh, and it's in, in the best interests of your finance department, especially to, uh, treat the rest of the dealership very kindly because they are in possession of your money in really weird spots you're unaware of until you zero in on some processes and start doing things very strategically. You start to realize how much control uh, everybody inside the dealership has on the gross of these deals. And finance is a great place to talk about this now because most of everybody's selling everything for sticker right now, right? <clears throat> Where yeah. are you going to make more money? Where are you going to get, oh, but all my approvals are slim. I can't fit the products. Nonsense. You can get more down payment. Uh, there's so much more you can do. And there's always, there's still room in that finance office um, for more, for more money right now. That's the place that you can actually make more money right now. Um, if you're selling everything for sticker, like you should be, uh, the, the place to make that money is obviously in the finance office and, you know, getting that under control gets a lot more under control. It gets everybody working together better. So, uh, but back to training, man, yeah. back, like I went through my first dealership. They put, actually, no, my first dealership, I didn't make it through the training. There was something was wrong with my driving record. It's in my book, dealership process secrets. I actually talk about it. Something was wrong with my driving record. They threw me out of there. Then I ended up getting a job at another car dealership, made it through the training. I guess my driving record had cleaned up. doesn't really matter, uh, but made it through the training. And um, it was a two-week training. And the first dealership had a decent training too. So I had gone through half of a training at, at one store. And then I went through the full training at the second store before I actually got on the floor to uh, sell cars. Um and the training was good, man. I mean, you weren't allowed to hit the floor. And I think that has kind of been lost. I, I, would you say most dealerships have people kind of just come in and they throw them on the floor or they have a week period or a two week period where they don't anymore? Where I, they think, have I, I think the big box, you know, big, you know, AutoNation, Lithia, Sonic, you know, I think a lot of those big groups are going to have more formalized training. Um, but I think, you know, some of the smaller pocketed, um, you know, maybe uh, rural dealer groups aren't going to have the training that the big, you know, the big names that you'd recognize would have. But, you know, to clarify training, like, yeah, I but dude, I've, times, even, I've even seen like big stores. I mean, we just hire people. I mean, some of the top in the it literally in the brands, especially in the larger markets. I mean, they just hire people and they they are like, 
you know, they have them watch some videos and they throw them on the floor. Uh, I, wanted, wanted to, I wanted to clarify that, you know, we say training and I think you say training and you, you think of just like a process, right? Like a recipe that you follow. But, you know, training can be so many different things. It can be a sales process. It can be a culture. It can be a value set. And, and I think, you know, we focus so much on process and, you know, just going through this with you guys, like caring about people, that's, that's a value. And I think sometimes we're not focusing on, you know, the supportive training to, you know, get the culture. Well, I talk about it. It's a great, the caring, uh, care, commitment, attitude, reliability, and excellence. I've given this one out a couple times. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, I didn't come up with it. A lot of dealers out there do it, uh, where it's commitment, attitude, reliability, and excellence. And it's essentially you put a board up in your lunchroom. Uh, if you've got daily morning meetings, which you should with the sales staff, you ask anybody if they've got care. Yeah, I've got care. Uh, yesterday, Brian had to get off at six. I had two deals. I know he had something to go do that he wanted to go do. Uh, and instead, he helped me out doing that second delivery. Thank you, Brian. Right. And anytime someone kind of goes out of their way and helps you inside the dealership, you write this on a note card and you put it up on that bulletin board. It's it's awesome. And because Everybody works, everybody like within that group that you have, there's a lot more. You're not going to just do this and, and solve all your culture problems, but uh, this will actually make your team strong and cohesive uh, because you're constantly, you know, reinforcing, hey, uh, if you go out of your way and do something for somebody that they're going to thank you for it in front of the whole store, in front of the group, put it on a note card, put it up there. And then if you have once a month meetings, you can go back there and pull a few off of them and, and, and read them in your meetings as well. And um, they're always sitting back there in the lunchroom for everybody to read them. It's an awesome practice. Uh, don't take credit for it, but uh, it's a, it's a great practice and I highly endorse it. Um, and that's, you know, commitment, attitude, reliability, and excellence care. And I don't think there's anything more important. It's what the customer wants to feel as well. The customer wants to feel that they honestly, it's interesting because I think trust is probably bigger with your employee. And we all think that we want to build trust for the customer and you do, but I think if the customer thinks that you care about them at all, they, they care about that way more, way more. And they'll actually spend the money too. Um, and right now that's not even a big deal of spending the money. I mean, pretty much the customers are all being forced to pay, uh, pay up. Right. So, but we've been in times most of the time where that wasn't the case. And I can tell you if the customer thinks that they're cared for, uh, they'll pay <laughs> and, uh, they'll come back, you know, and, uh, they won't go, they won't go anywhere else. So care is, care is huge. It's a super important word to me. Um, care, impact, results. I mean, there's some words that are just so huge. Um, that's one of them. I, I call those, I call those values. And so when, you know, when I'm framing a team, it's like a triangle, right? It's the, the people that are working together at the bottom and the, the values that they share at the top and whatever those values are, they can be a lot of different things. Like that care acronym is great. If you, as a team embody those, you're going to get to where you're going. It doesn't have to, you know, that loyalty comes through the values that you share. Love it. All right. So everybody listening, thank you so much. 
tune in. We should drop another episode here pretty soon. Uh, I've been busy flying around uh, all over the country, honestly, and we were a little late for a podcast. We apologize for that. But thank you for listening, everybody, and have a great day. Have a good night. Have a good night.